there's a common misconception about what the metaverse is and there was one very interesting point originally made by mark zuckerberg that i think it, it kind of changed my way of thinking about this and may be helpful for others as well where the metaverse is not a place or places necessarily but rather it's a time when the primary ways we live our lives and the majority of our time is spent actually immersed in this virtual technology you're listening to Traders Insight Radio by Interactive Brokers. Find more podcasts and daily market commentary at tradersinsight.news. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to IBKR Traders Insight Radio podcast. I'm Stephen Levine, Senior Market Analyst at Interactive Brokers, and your host of the AI Exchange. This is for all the latest insights into how artificial intelligence is transforming market sectors and how traders can use this information to make more informed investment decisions. One area that seems to be grabbing the attention of the markets, as well as the public imagination, is the much-anticipated development of the metaverse. This seems to be making some significant strides in the technology space by potentially opening up a, a rabbit hole of opportunities, not only for AI-driven applications, but also for those in just about every aspect of digital creation, from digital real estate, art, cryptocurrency, smart contracts, gaming, social events like concerts. These all seem to be coalescing into an entirely new economy, which some analysts think could evolve into a multi-trillion dollar industry. This is a massive concept that, to be honest, is extremely challenging to wrap my head around. Uh, that's why we're lucky to have Sagar Joshi and Sean Vanderwall, both managing partners at Drawing Capital, here with us today to help draw a clearer picture of what this all means. Drawing Capital is an investment management firm headquartered in Silicon Valley, uses its expertise in finance and data science to seek compelling investment opportunities in the innovation economy, with an approach akin to a venture capital fund in the public markets. Welcome, Sagar and Sean. Very happy you could join us. Thank you, Stephen. It's a pleasure to be here. It's really fascinating, this metaverse or uh, metaverses. Uh, I understand there's not one single metaverse, but but multiple. Is that right? And it's difficult to, to describe for me you know, exactly what a metaverse is. And you've done a great job of this in your recent webinar with us. Uh, I understand it involves the, the physical world intersecting with augmented and virtual realities. But this is very abstract to me. So I thought maybe we could start off with, with what an experience in the metaverse might be like. Uh, who, who's it intended for and, and what kind of novel experience would they have in it? I mean, would it, would it really be like what we see in the movies or on TV? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, there's a common misconception about what the metaverse is. And there was one very interesting point originally made by Mark Zuckerberg that I think it, it kind of changed my way of thinking about this and may be helpful for others as well, where the metaverse is not a place or places necessarily, but rather it's a time when the primary ways we live our lives and the majority of our time is spent actually immersed in this virtual technology. And in the way that you describe multiple metaverses in your question, I think it's often helpful for people just to describe these or think about these as multiple platforms. And these platforms can span either specific use cases or, or even maybe providers here. And I'll give you a few examples uh, just to provide some more context for the audience. 
So one segment uh, could obviously be around gaming. This has kind of been the first category that people approach this with. And the way we think of video games today, it's likely that each game will have its own virtual environment or platform that's entirely separate from other games and applications. Or to address uh, the provider approach I mentioned earlier, maybe you have a Microsoft with Activision Blizzard or Meta Platforms develops a broader virtual environment where you can play games on their platform, socialize with others, join virtual conferences, all in one place. Now to give a very specific example of one of these use cases is Facebook or, or Meta Platforms has developed a product called Workrooms. So instead of sitting on a Zoom call, we're all sitting around a virtual table, able to interact with each other as we might in the office. You might ask, okay, so how's this really different? What benefit does it actually provide over just you know the normal Zoom calls that we have today? Well, there's actually one pretty amazing and recent development here uh, around spatial audio that I would say is just one of many developments coming down the line. But say we're sitting around this virtual table I could lean over in, to you, Stephen, and, and just whisper something that only you and I can hear, as I might in a real conference room. And additionally, I think it's helpful to understand that the human brain is hardwired to recognize certain things when we interact with one another. An example of this is eye contact. Right now on, on Zoom or, or Google Meet or whatever virtual uh, chat software you're using, it's virtually impossible to make direct eye contact with someone. In order for you to think I'm meeting your eye line, I need to look directly into the camera, which obviously means I'm not really looking you in the eye. So there's this fundamental disconnect in communication and the ability to build trust with existing platforms. I think it's also important to note that while uh, using this workrooms example, it currently uses digital avatars that look a little bit more cartoonish and simple, but Mark Zuckerberg noted on a recent podcast that they expect avatars to become photorealistic in the next three to five years, meaning that if we elected to do this podcast in workrooms, it would very much look like we're all sitting around the table. You could see the wild arm gesticulations I'm doing right now, and in his vision, would be nearly indistinguishable from watching uh, an actual meeting take place. So just to wrap up the answer to your initial question, the metaverse isn't one place or multiple places that everyone goes to like a city necessarily but rather people should think about this in terms of maybe apps on a phone there are different use cases or needs for each there and the key differenti differentiation here is how we interact with each other through those apps in a more immersive and rich environment and ultimately the concept of the metaverse is is the time we shift from operating mostly in this 2d digital world in real life to more immersive digital technologies and those can range from you know simply watching movies on netflix to conference calls and collaborative workrooms to playing games with family and friends i mean this is really really fascinating and it seems to me that there is a a, a difference in the actual experience of meeting in a conference room versus meeting in a metaverse conference room. So are there benefits to the metaverse conference room versus actually meeting around a table? Yeah, I would say I, I think from a company standpoint, first and foremost, I you know, I mentioned the the trust ability. There are several companies now, startups especially, I mean we see them down here in the valley, they're globally distributed. 
there are people who have been working at the same company for two years and have never met each other. Yeah, that's right. Having this ability to meet people, build this trust and communication, it just really helps the relationship. It helps productivity and efficiency. Um, you know, we have family overseas, like many other people, you know, if, if through this entire period of going through the COVID pandemic, if we were able to better connect, you know, with grandparents, with aunts and uncles and things like that, maybe you could sit around at a dinner table together versus sitting there, you know, trying to coach my, my, you know, 90 year old grandmother on how to best use FaceTime. If we could all just sit down together seemingly have have a normal conversation like you are there absolutely i think there are benefits and coming back to where we are in terms of stages and, and where the benefits are today a, a key focus here is really picking up again on these very small little social cues eyebrow movements facial expressions again eye contact things that are are completely missed uh today just using the existing platforms so everything that you would be able to express in a Zoom call, you could still express in these virtual conferences uh, or metaverse conferences. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And you said about two to three years. I mean, is it really that short of an amount of time that we'd be able to have this kind of experience? Or, or is there a target year involved for a fully functioning metaverse? Uh, when, when can we expect all of these kinds of experiences to take place or that we can have them? Yeah, I think I think it depends on what you're looking at. So the two to three years I'm, I had mentioned there, I think, is simply for bringing um, this photorealism into the fold um, for some of these collaborative environments like workrooms. But if we're looking at a broader um, adoption of the metaverse, a lot of the the research that we've conducted. The projections for large-scale adoption typically fall around the year 2030 or about eight years from now. Wow. I think it's also important to note that many people tend to think of gaming or social applications in the individual consumer driving adoption here. But I believe that at least in the initial or the early spike in adoption that can help fuel future growth, future growth will be institutionally driven. So for productivity and work-related apps, if there's a way to increase the productivity of a workforce by five or 10% consistently through some collaborative experience, many large companies with, with a deep bench of resources would opt into to buy these devices for employees to drive output, efficiency, and general enjoyment of, again, this remote work environment. And that competitive advantage for remote workforces could translate to several billion dollars of market cap over the next few years given such a performance improvement using that technology. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing potential for uh, uh, growth. I, I can just see how many different companies can be involved in this. And you presented those in your webinar as well, uh, that there are many different layers to the metaverse and that each layer has opportunities for companies and opportunities for growth within it. Um, some, I, I think I recall Goldman Sachs analyst saying it could be an $8 trillion industry uh, or at least a multi-trillion dollar industry over time. Um, do you have any projections? Is it, is it 2030 that we see a, a complete economy uh, for the metaverse that is, is a multi-trillion dollar industry? Yeah, 2030, uh, based on the Goldman Sachs research that you had stated, uh, another one is, is Roundhill Ball. Um, 
you know, several companies have obviously given projections here. Those largely fall around near or around the year 2030. Um, and, and I think in terms of phasing these things in, I, I don't think it's going to be an all at once, hey, here, everything's ready to go right now. These are kind of the phases. A big area of this now is gaming and again, productivity uh, from a social aspect. So you'll see kind of these use cases in different phases start to happen. And again, I mean, it's, um, it, you know, it, it's something it, it, that's why it's so exciting as a new frontier. And when we think about, you know, social media really forming and all of these different platforms, I mean, it'll, it takes a long time, but you have all of these exciting developments along the way that will continue to progress. So I think it's much more sequential that way, as opposed to, uh, just sort of a, a waterfall, everything at once. Hey, it's 2030. Everything's right yeah. now. Yeah, no, I, I can completely understand that. And when you mentioned gaming, it's it's kind of funny because all of the references that I mentioned earlier about the different movies and TV shows, uh, Ready Player One, Free Guy, Black Mirror, they, they all centered around gaming, which I thought was very, very interesting. Um, and, and that seems to be, I don't know if, if games uh, can really be like what they're presenting in, in those shows. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of them, but it's it's very, very interesting uh, how the avatars can really be in a, a complete world of their own uh, with its own rules and uh, and, and everything else. But it, it seems so lifelike. Yeah, I think um, so. I've seen a couple of those movies. I have, I have not seen all of them, but I, I absolutely think it will approach that realism again won't happen overnight but just to give you know an immediate example here of something like just how quickly this happens to is incredible to me but a company called didymo i think they're actually based out of portugal uh, but they create human-like avatars that resemble the user in under 90 seconds <laughs> um w which is absolutely shocking so that i mean that's where we are today again we're talking about something here that will be you know, a decade out almost um, in the speed at which these things develop, the amount of resources that are going into the theme and category now uh, with all of these very, very big companies, um, you know, NVIDIA, Facebook, Meta Platforms, uh, everyone really across the gamut looking at this area and starting to allocate um, more human capital yeah. and financial capital behind it. I think that that will just accelerate. Um, uh, even more quickly. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've noticed uh, a ton of ETFs very recently being come, you know, being being introduced to uh, to the market. Uh, these are all metaverse themed exchange traded funds, and uh, some of them launched really recently. The ProShares Metaverse ETF just launched March fifteenth of this year. Uh, you mentioned Roundhill Ball. Roundhill Roundhill Ball's got a metaverse ETF. Fount Metaverse ETF. Subversive Metaverse ETF. Uh, and some of them seem to have overlapping holdings, but uh, as you mentioned, NVIDIA, uh, Microsoft, Apple, yeah, not surprisingly, Meta, Meta Platforms is in there, Amazon, there, there are a ton of others. Uh, what can you tell us about some of these companies uh, in terms of their involvement uh, in the creation of the metaverse? Where, where do they stand uh, in the creation process? Yeah, so I think uh, a helpful way for listeners to kind of think about this is, um, it's very similar to, to other technologies where you have this sort of hierarchy or layers of enablement. You, you mentioned that as well from the, from the webinar, but these layers consist of things like hardware, of course, uh, where companies like NVIDIA 
or AMD would play a part in manufacturing the chips that are needed for the software to actually run smoothly on the headset. Yep. Uh, the human interface layer where companies can create value by providing specialized inputs uh, into the wearable technology that end users re you receive, uh, display companies like Vivida or, or RealView, for, ex for example, asset creation in asset marketplaces that establish a transaction layer between users and the ecosystem. Examples of that are OpenSea or, or CG Trader, uh, for example, uh, which are in the asset marketplace space. And then uh, finally, I mentioned that company Didymo that, that creates avatars. So the reason I think also this is so exciting from an investor and also a creator standpoint is that there are so many opportunities across the technology stack for the metaverse hardware, software, infrastructure, and developer tools uh, think about how many developer or uh, developer uh, you know productivity tools are out there now monday asana atlassian's products i mean there's a huge stack and for all the verticals that exist for real world use cases today there will likely be a counterpart in the metaverse so as you mentioned stephen there will certainly be overlap from existing large cap tech companies for example uh, microsoft again who who made the near 70 billion dollar acquisition for activision blizzard uh, and Facebook or Meta platforms, who's obviously completely rebranded around the opportunity. Uh, these companies will, of course, have existing products and services from which they derive their revenue, but are investing more resources into this exciting theme. And I think that's good for, for investors who like a diversified approach or might want to ease their way into the metaverse expo exposure while they see the, some of these developments play out. Um, these are really publicly traded companies you're going to get access to in some of the products and ETFs, as you mentioned, in addition to companies like Roblox, uh, is a gaming company, social media companies like Snap, which already have some very advanced software uh, for things like facial recognition and augmented reality capabilities where you can put all these different you know, filters over your face. Uh, and for those that are looking for more pure play metaverse companies, that may be more difficult in an ETF format today, just given where uh, we are at in terms of progression with, with different companies, new technologies coming to market. Uh, since again, um, uh, you know, we're in the very early stages, those can really only be invested via private markets or venture capital, for example. Um, so as a result, in these ETFs, you will probably have for now uh, these much larger, multifaceted, uh, large, tech, large cap tech companies that are participating in different segments. Well, it's really, really incredible how the world is changing so quickly. It's amazing. Uh, I did see Apple uh, developing, or, or perhaps they've already developed uh, AR glasses or augmented reality glasses, and I, I, I'm not sure exactly, you know, if you can do anything with them outside of uh, a stationary type of experience on a on a desktop computer or something. I mean, can you walk around with? augmented reality glasses and see a kind of different reality is is is, is that what it, they're doing yeah so i mean <laughs> a lot of the augmented reality and the glasses are, are very interesting but i mean this is something that gets used by apple as well uh very commonly now too is you just go to their website right and you can you can see an augmented reality um of their different products you can do the 360 degree view. I mean, there are, are different ways for people to, um, you know, see what different, this isn't Apple necessarily, but see how different furniture looks in their house. Um, so yeah, I, I think that is an early stage. I would also say, um, 
augmented reality and virtual reality in the context of the metaverse here are likely two very different things. So if you're if you're wearing Apple's glasses and you can see things just just layered on top of what the existing world is, I mean, a very, very basic example of that might be heads up display in a car. But the virtual reality in the metaverse, kind of more in the context of the discussion here yep. today, involves you know f- being fully immersed, um, not necessarily layer- layering something on top of of what you see um, in front of you. Yeah, and artificial intelligence factors in here as well. Um, I don't know exactly how to parse that out, or whether that's uh, a separate kind of component, but uh, maybe Sagar can clear that up for me. It's a great question. And there certainly uh, is an intersection point between AI and the metaverse. And so double-clicking further on a couple of points, there exists a strong relationship between data quantity and quality of data science models for applications in artificial intelligence and machine learning. And so how that really reinforces itself is that high-quality proprietary data that is merged with a technology platform can generate positive network effects and then possible exponential growth opportunities. And so by definition, positive network effects imply that as a company gains more customers or more data, then all of the existing customers may also benefit via a better product or service, which creates an accumulating competitive advantage with increasing marginal utility with greater size, scope, and scale. And so as a result, and with the benefits of software, internet scale businesses can continue to grow at scale and uh, potentially in the investor perspective, potentially command significant company valuations. And so coming back to uh, your your reference of AI uh, in computer science, of course, AI stands for artificial intelligence. Although I'd also like to juxtapose uh, this a little bit and add a Uh, add a new variant, so to speak, there, uh, in that for everyday people, many people may not necessarily actually see artificial intelligence, and I put see in in air quotes, but they definitely do see augmented intelligence. And expressing that divergence a little bit, augmented intelligence is the occurrence of individuals having access to computing and connected devices. So that could be uh, your iPhone, it could be computers, your Apple Watch, Uh, Sean also mentioned the heads-up display or cars having blind spot detection and backup cameras. These are all interconnected or or, uh, other devices that we have with us on a pretty reoccurring basis for for many Americans. But the situation is that the the human or or the individual still remains in control and can leverage these computing devices to augment one's intelligence or experience. And so as a result, one can perhaps presume is that the smartphone has now become a digital extension of our physical selves that operates as a remote control for the digital and physical experience that we live in today. And so then, of course, these comments can then potentially expand and extend towards both current reality as well as future developments in the metaverse. And I guess as a closing point on applying AI and and having a three-step framework and how it can be used for businesses uh, in the benefits of AI, the first out of three steps would be, in, in my view, is first, is there measurable return on investment, right? Of, of, of course, companies want to see some type of return. The second is that, is there some type of strategic corporate mandate towards a goal? So first, setting the goal, but then working backwards to find that roadmap so that that goal can be optimized for and hopefully achieved. And then the third framework would be that, 
Are there retained capabilities inside organizations so that AI models can be built, retrained, and improved over time? So those, those are some of the thoughts I would think about AI and then how it uh, applies uh, into the metaverse there. There seem to be, I don't know, a, an infinite number of potential benefits from from interacting or, or interfacing with the metaverse. I mean, both from a, a standpoint of, of transactions, you know, transacting for monetary purposes, uh, as well as enabling what would otherwise be impractical. I mean, you mentioned the smartphone as being an extension of uh, our ability to navigate uh, the physical world, which which is it's like a remote control for the physical world for our experience. It's making what would otherwise be impractical or, or perhaps even impossible uh, in the physical world, uh, something that is practical. Um, there also seems to be uh, an equivalent amount of risk. You know, that can be damage done from all this, I suppose. We'll take communication, for example. I mean, can you walk us through the, the benefits and risks of, of virtual versus uh, physical social interaction? Um, I, I suspect there'd be an even greater disconnection uh, between individuals in the physical world um, I suppose there's already some sort of disconnection from uh, chatting with each other uh, as opposed to getting together in a coffee shop and talking uh, physically, I suppose. Uh, I guess there's also issues regarding privacy or, or trust in information. There's a lot of disinformation, a lot of people who pretend uh, aliases, pseudonyms, etc. So maybe you can just walk through a couple of examples of what risks a person could face in terms of their communication in, in the metaverse. Thanks for the uh, great multi-dimension and, and well-prepped question, and there's a lot to uh, unpack there. Um, and so at a high level, the key benefits of innovation and digital technologies are immensely splendid in their abilities to do more with less or said differently, enable greater value creation with less resource consumption. Uh, and of course, at the same time, uh, you mentioned some of the risks and ambiguities, um, and, I'll, and I'll mention that uh, in a little bit. Uh, but before I do, I'd also like to quickly touch on some of the uh, uh, prior points in your, in your question. And so the consumer shift towards online activities is a long-term trend and was accelerated by the coronavirus crisis. During a coronavirus-induced lockdown environment, many people relied on digital technologies to remain connected and manage various aspects of their lives, giving rise to topics such as e-commerce or food delivery apps, of course, video conferencing, gaming, telehealth, cloud software companies, RNA development, and so much more. Yes. And increasingly, it seems like people will live in two separate or interconnected worlds in the real physical environment and in a digital environment. And so how that possibly uh, unfolds there is that one person may have a similar or different persona and identity as they traverse between real life and digital life an augmented reality and the intersection of the physical and virtual worlds represents that hybrid world. And so additionally, the directional era of communication is more online, more immersive, and more in volume. As consumers spend more of their lives online, whether it be computers, phones, and other connected devices, more content consumption and production will occur online. With more online interactions, and then with the trending metaverse topic, it's also important to acknowledge some risk factors that you alluded to in your question there. And so the most obvious risk factors include privacy and safety risks, uh, also the spread of misinformation or, or disinformation, decreasing level of physical connection with others, and cybersecurity risks. And additionally, there's been a rise in multiple personas, changing roles, and increasing ambiguities of identities, 
all of which can contribute to identity management, which is, in fact, a uh, entirely separate topic within the general uh, cybersecurity industry. And so several forms of trust in the virtual world will carry over from physical worlds. And then at the same time or simultaneously, there will be new forms of establishing digital trust. And for example, today, we have two-factor authentication that already exists for online accounts. So we're already seeing development in the digital world that may not necessarily uh, be present or was present in the physical world. Uh, but at the same time, some of those physical characteristics may uh, move into the uh, digital world as well. And so overall, and circling back uh, to a comment within your question, my opinion on the key takeaway is that because the metaverse is in its early building stages, there seems to be nearly endless possibilities of imagination, creativity, and value creation in the metaverse with the simultaneous acknowledgement of ambiguities and risks in future outcomes. Yeah, I can imagine, for example, if the move towards, say, establishing your identity or certifying your identity, say, with biometrics or something to that effect, it seems to put in more of your personal data in ways that perhaps could be accessed as well. And so the more you give into the system, it seems that there's that much more risk of information that can be taken from you. Um, and I don't know if, if you know those kinds of concerns end up being something that gets factored into the metaverse as, as a, a place where perhaps uh, a, a great lot of information can be stored and harnessed and, uh, and stolen, I suppose. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good comment there and, and certainly is, is a risk factor. Um, and especially with the prevalence, uh, as I mentioned earlier, with a lot of these data science models training and training and effectively ingesting more and more data in order to better train their models, yes. but also equivalently is, um, like you mentioned, is the rising amount of input that is been, uh, being given um, from the consumer. We already see this with um, unlocking the iPhone here is with Face ID. You're effectively giving uh, a, that facial recognition uh, directly to Apple uh, and, and their security team. Now, I would say overwhelmingly, most people have immense trust uh, for Apple and the privacy stances that they've taken. And, and so that is a trade-off of security uh, versus providing uh, a little bit of data um, in, in that category. So I think over time, we will see those trade-offs. Sometimes it, it is uh, a, a trade-off uh, of, let's say, privacy versus convenience versus connectivity uh, and others. Uh, and this is where possibly that future innovation engine may come in to play is, is that perhaps there isn't a trade-off in the future and perhaps we could have both connectedness with privacy at the same time. Uh, and so these are uh, angles that uh, several companies uh, and certainly in the startup ecosystem, we're seeing more and more of these uh, uh, companies develop and think about different ways of building these products uh, so that it better connects with their consumers and, and what really ultimately what consumers are looking for. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that that, uh, you know, that that definitely takes place, that there is uh, a safety measure in place. There, there seems to be so much opportunity within the metaverse. And, and as you're mentioning with these companies, I, I think it's a great segue to this uh, last question. Um, you know, what companies are you looking at as being really most interesting to you in terms of developments uh, towards the metaverse? Uh, are, there, are there certain ones where you have your eye on um, that really intrigue you the most? And, and what would that be? Uh, I'll mention a, a few company examples here in a moment. And 
as a setup to this though, connecting and intersecting the developer ecosystem, creator economy and consumers, I believe will be an essential component for the overall success of the metaverse. And so the key components of building more immersive experiences are multi-sensory interactions and embodied experiences with deeper feelings of real-time presence. And to help visualize and conceptualize metaverse applications for the audience, I'll share a, a few consumer and enterprise examples so we can see this both from a consumer consumption perspective um, uh, as well as an institutional or corporate enterprise example as well. And so for those of you that are crypto economy enthusiasts, digital property rights and several NFTs have real utility and value. And additionally, the intersection of DeFi or decentralized finance and the metaverse is already creating value with more to come. In consumer gaming, as Sean mentioned earlier, Roblox and the Microsoft's uh, proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard, among other companies in gaming, really represents the rise of social gaming, the virtual consumer goods economy, as well as a robust ecosystem of content, commerce, and communities. And for a third example, and just a few months ago, back in December, as I recall, Intel published its perspectives on the metaverse and specifically highlighted the meta intelligence layer, the meta ops layer, and the meta compute layer as the three layers in the building blocks for the metaverse. And for a concluding set of examples for enterprise initiatives related to the metaverse, NVIDIA is specifically focused on Omniverse, which is a platform focused on both collaboration and simulation by enhancing current workflows and productivity through the creation of virtual worlds. So ranging from industrial digital twinning technology in auto assembly plants to 3D design collaboration to simulation, NVIDIA is enabling these specific trends along, we believe, also enabling many other high growth technological themes such as gaming, GPUs, high performance computing, data centers, AI research, and autonomous driving. So all in all, and as a concluding thought, while some public commentators express these views or the metaverse as a far off destination for our population, many of these experiences are translating into tangible value today. So what kind of audience is is the metaverse really intended for? I mean, you mentioned gaming, so I'm thinking it's a, it's it's younger generations, new generations. Yeah, I think in this case, it can be applicable to a, a wide range. I, I don't think it is just exclusive for younger audiences. Um, I, I think different applications um, will be used differently um, uh, amongst uh, the multiple metaverses that may be there. Um, so, for example, in the enterprise uh, space there, um, with obviously uh, there's a wide range, uh, age range there, uh, there'll be, uh, as an intended audience, there'll be corporate retrainings and effectively how to use technology to either improve efficiency or raise productivity. Those are typically the two methods uh, of leveraging technology in the workplace. I understand that. That that makes a lot of sense. So it, it really has uh, applications for uh, anyone, depending on uh, what it's being used for. So that's that, that makes a lot exactly. of sense to me. Sure. Uh, at, at any rate, uh, uh, Sagar, Sean, you know, I, I just want to thank you both very, very much for for doing this and for for clarifying a lot of the question marks that are out there. There's still so many questions on this topic. Um, I hope you'll be back with us again. That'd be fantastic, Stephen. Yeah, thanks. I think that would be that would be really terrific. And listeners can learn more about this topic in Drawing Capital's webinar presentation, aptly titled Metaverse, at ibkrwebinars.com. You can also keep abreast of their commentary at ibkrquant. Uh, 
again, I appreciate your time very, very much, uh, Sagar Shan. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, Stephen. Hope you have a great rest of your afternoon. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And until next time, I'm Stephen Levine for Interactive Brokers. Thanks for listening to Traders Insight Radio. As always, there's more content at tradersinsight.news. And if you're interested in learning more about Interactive Brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education materials such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. Trading in digital assets, including cryptocurrencies, is especially risky and is only for individuals with a high risk tolerance and the financial ability to sustain losses. Eligibility to trade in digital asset products may vary based on jurisdiction. Interactive Brokers is not affiliated with and does not endorse or recommend any third-party investment information advice services or products discussed in this episode. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and is necessary, seek professional advice.